Good morning, Faith Promise. How you guys doing this morning? You guys, you guys, awesome. <clears throat> well, worship has been great. We have had tons of people profess faith through baptism in all of our campuses at every service so far this weekend at Pellissippi, and God is at work. As a matter of fact, I am just starting to hear people saying, "Hey." You know, I just sense God is doing something, and I really believe that that's true. I believe God is doing a work at our church. Do y'all believe that? y'all agree with that? Now, we believe that, but when we just trust that. So let me ask you a question. Do we want revival to just fully flood in, and do we want to honor God? Do we want God to keep moving? Is that right? Then if that's the case, this is the deal then. <clears throat> We've got to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So if we want God to work, we've got to be very careful. And there are a lot of ways that we grieve the Spirit. In corporate worship, individual, we can grieve God at home. And I mean, we can just grieve the Spirit of God. But let me tell you one way, corporately as a body, that we can grieve God as a church, faith promise. And that is through our offerings. Now, we don't talk about offerings a lot because we don't take up an offering. We don't pass a plate. We have boxes that people give online and they... Use the kiosk, and some people text their offering in, and some people mail their offering. There's five different ways people give. But because we don't take it up, we don't talk about it every weekend. But let me tell you, from Genesis through the book of the Revelation, this Bible is packed with admonitions, commissions, commands, cajoles, that we be a generous people. Does God want us to be generous? Okay, the Bible is flooded. Matter of fact, the Bible says that all of us are to give our first 10% to the Lord through his church, that we give to him for the kingdom of God. That's just, we all know that, we believe that, we just don't all do it. But let me tell you what weighs in the balance, what sort of hangs in the balance with what we do. And that is there are souls, there are thousands of people that come every weekend, there are more that are going to come, and so much hangs in the balance of what we do. It, it's beyond probably any of our ability to comprehend if God could just pull back the curtain and let us really get a a full, full frontal focus of the spiritual world. But we know that it does. We know there are miracles we're asking for. Family members, prodigals, we're praying will come home. We're asking God to do all these things. And we believe the heart of heaven is generosity. And so therefore, we believe that, that those that follow God ought to be generous. So let me challenge you. Be faithful every week. If you get paid weekly, be faithful weekly. If you get paid monthly, be faithful monthly. Amen. Amen. Come on. That was weak. Come on now. Let's just, because listen, if we are not honoring God with the wealth that he's given us, then would that grieve the Holy Spirit? Would it? Absolutely. So come on, guys. Now, Heart for the Harvest offering is coming up in five weeks. If you're new, we do that every year. It's, it helps us expand our campuses to keep building. This year, we're, gonna, we're beginning a debt reduction uh, for what you know, some of the money that we owe, and we're trying to get in just stellar financial shape, and so it'll be for campus expansion, it'll be for debt, and we've been praying all year for $1.5 million. So let me ask you a question. Can God give us $1.5 million to give on that weekend? Amen. Amen. Come on. You better believe it. Way to go. Man, that's the strongest yes I've heard all weekend. I can believe that yes. And so I want to challenge you. Ask God, God, what would you have my family do or me? What would you give me? What would you give to, to, for us to give in that offering uh, so that we can expand the kingdom of God? What is it that you'd have me to do? And really what I'm praying for all year, every day, I pray 1.5 times 2. 1.5 million 
and 1,500 families. Last year, 1,200 families participated. We gave $1.2 million. We averaged $1,000 a family. This year, 1,500 families give $1,000. That'll be $1.5 million. Now, there'll be families who give $100,000. Now, there'll be families who give $100,000, and that $100 will be a sacrificial gift to the Lord. There'll be single moms. There'll be widows. There'll be, there'll be senior adults on fixed incomes that will give, and they'll be sacrificial. And so it's not about the zeros. It's about the sacrifice. Amen? And so really pray. Matter of fact, God, we just come before you now, and we so need you in, in a million different ways. But, God, I pray that you would open our hearts to be generous. Because, God, there are people in this room that we talk about money. They get angry, and they say all the church wants is their money. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, it's a greed issue in their heart. And so, God, I pray that none of us would be greedy, that, that all of us would bow the knee to King Jesus and be generous uh, with our resources, our time, our finances. And so, God, I pray that you would, we would not grieve you by withholding, but we'd be faithful. So, God, open our minds, our hearts, open our checkbooks, and open our spirits that you might do all that you want through us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, give him some praise, church. Charlie is a great kid. I mean, we love him very much. We do. However, as his parents were concerned about some of his behaviors. Seems like as he's gotten older, we've discovered some, some troubling, troubling, troubling habits that quite honestly, we don't understand. I'm coming, honey, I'm coming. Mommy will be right there. Mom, come on. Hey, 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 we have some guests upstairs, honey. You wanna come up and say hello? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Let me just stop my activities. Okay, I got something Damn. you might want to stop for. How about your dinner? Okay, tell me that dinner is going to be better than lunch, because lunch barely passed his food. Honey, Seriously. this is your favorite look. Hungry Man chicken, mashed potatoes, corn, try it, sweetie. You're right. going to love uh, it. No, wait a minute. What is this? Where's the dessert? When are we not doing dessert now? What genius thought that up? Okay, do you Where's... remember the last visit to the doctor? He said something about your weight. Do you remember well, that? Well, hold on a minute. Hold on. Are you kidding me right now? Are you 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 calling me fat? No, I am not fat. No, no, this I, is muscle. Everything you're seeing here, I'm like steel. I'm like really muscly metal. You are. That doctor's fat. He should just quit and go back to Fat Island. You're right. Okay, milk. No. Enjoy your dinner. Thank you. I just feel awful. He's downstairs, and I know he's starving. gonna get him something a little sweet. I'll be right back. I don't know why he acts this way. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Come on, 
be real. Faith promise, we're raw and real. We've entitled this message, Who's the Boss? Who's the boss at home? What's going on? So again, we're just going to get raw and real. Actually, I'm just going to be honest. It's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to just a tab. It's going to be all right. You'll, you'll get better when it quits hurting. And so, uh, we, again, we just, we just try to get raw and real. Now, Faith Promise, we're blessed because East Tennessee is a great place to raise kids. Matter of fact, it's voted every year one of the top ten cities in America to raise a family. So that's a cool deal. We love that. We're grateful. Now, of the families, 35% are single parent families, and of the single parent families, 80% of those are single mothers. And of the single mothers, half of those are living below the poverty line. So it's a great place for us to interject to help single mothers. We want to help single dads also, but single moms, you know, just demographically are struggling financial far more than, than single dads are. And so we want to make sure that we don't miss that opportunity for Faith Promise to add value. Now, with all that said, I'm 53. I know it's hard to believe as good as I look, but I am, I'm 53, and I now have lived long enough to say I remember the way it used to be. Now, when I was a teenager, young adult, it just blew my mind that, you know, parents or older people would say, well, back in my day, you know, we had to do that. I'd say, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because, see, I only knew it the way it was, but now I've lived long enough to where it used to be and the way that it is. And if we keep living, we'll see the way it's going to be. But let me tell you, the, one of the greatest seismic shifts that I've seen in our society, and that is how we treat kids. It's just it's unbelievable. Now, if you're, if you're a young adult, you only know how it is today, and so you don't know how it used to be. But let me tell you, it used to be. Used to be kids were last. I know that's hard to believe. Today, they're first. Right? Let me, let me tell you, when I was a kid, parents didn't go to your ball games. <gasps> today, you'd be turned in for DHS. You know I mean? If you don't go to every, you're going to scar a kid's psyche. Literally. Matter of fact, do you know what? You rode your bicycle to the ball field, and in games, you just rode your bicycle games and played. The thought that your mom and dad would wrap their world around your activities was so foreign to us, nobody noticed the stands were empty because they were always empty. Are you with me? Today, you missed two ball games, and you're, you're voted worst parent of the year. See, kids went from being last to being first. They went from being silent to being the loudest. They went from being ignored to now being obeyed. Is that right? Some of us, come on, let's be real. Let's be real. God gave me a great thought as we've been praying over this series, and I want to, this has helped me understand so much. So I want you to get this. This is huge. This is the best thought God's given me in a while. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. How you treat your kids at home, repeat, how you treat your kids at home is what they will expect when they leave home. Now, I'm a student of young adult culture. I read articles, I read blogs, I keep up with stats because we are a young church. Most churches you go to, silver, blue, and gray. And bald. Here, our young people are bald. I don't get that, but they are. So, <clears throat> today we're going to get everybody. So, if I haven't finished you yet, just hang on, it's coming. If you're sitting next to a bald person, just remember, he doesn't really mean that. He's nicer than he sounds. And so, and so, but, but, but how we raise our kids is what they're going to expect from the world. And so now, if you're, you say, well, hey, I don't need this message because my kids are grown. Well, you'll probably have grandkids. And you need to help retrain your kids because you train them wrong, so you need, to, you need this message. Or you're a young adult, and this is what you're saying. I don't need this because I'll never have kids. Oh, yeah, you probably will. We all said that. Look what we got. <laughs> Micah. And so, you know, that's a, so that's, man, this, this is the deal. 
And so you're, you know, most likely you're going to have kids. And our kids, are, our kids are gifts from God. And if you don't think they are, talk to some of our families who haven't been able to have them yet who want them. And realize what a gift the kids are. Or talk to our couples who are, who are doing international adoption to help care for kids that are absolutely just throw away. And so as I've studied the young adult culture, I'm watching some of the problems that young adults are having now engaging. They get out of college. They're engaging the workforce. And they're getting married. And the problems they're having... Many of them, mom and dad, we created. We, we did it. Now, how we raise our, anybody saved in the house? Anybody in our campuses? Anybody saved? Okay. So as a Christian, we want Christian homes, right? So we don't take our cues from the culture. We take our cues from Christ. We're, as saints, it's not about society. It's about the Savior and what the Word of God says. Y'all agree with that? All right, so with all that said, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe God has big plans for your kids? Anybody believe that? I believe it. Anybody believe that? All right, that's good. That's great. Now, as a parent of a child who God has big plans for, you are a steward. See, when you were saved, that means everything you have is God's. Do you agree with that? That makes you a steward or a manager of all that you have. One of the things that you manage is your children. And so your job as a Christian parent is to raise your kids to serve God. Raise them for the kingdom, raise them for the church. Would you all agree with that? It's our job to raise them to serve God because they're his and they are not ours. So how do we do that? I want to look in Judges 13 at, at, at some parents who knew that their kid was destined for greatness. We all believe that. These parents, Manoah, knew it. In Judges 13, starting in verse 1, Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them the heads of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. That's good news. Verse 4, Now therefore be careful. You ought to circle that, mom and dad. If you have kids or you're going to have kids, you ought to circle that in your Bible. Be careful. If you're going to raise kids for God, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink or any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now, was, was Samson destined for big things? Man, this, I mean, he's the Bible's strong man. He was destined for big things. So she goes home and says, you can't believe Manoah. What? Listen, this man of God came to me and said, I'm going to have a son, and he's going to be a Nazarite, and he's going to deliver Israel. And he said, man, I want in on some of that. Why didn't the angel? I come the man of God didn't talk to me. So verse 8, chapter 13, then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, oh, Lord, please let the man of God who you have sent come to us again, that he may teach us. Circle that, mom and dad. Teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. We want to know what to do with him. How do we handle him? What's our deal? What, what's the thing? And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel came again to Manoah as she was sitting in the, uh, to the woman as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly, told her husband, Behold, the man of God came the other day as appeared to me. Manoah route, arose and followed his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? He said, I am. Then Manoah said, when your words come to pass, hey, by faith we believe what you said. When your words come to pass, what should be the boy's mode of life or his vocation? What do we do with him? What do we train him? What do we prepare him for? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, let the woman pay attention. Mom and dad, pay attention to all that I said. 
She shall not eat anything that comes from the vine or drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing and let her observe all that I've commanded. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please do, let us detain you so that we may prepare a young goat, i.e., hang out, we're going to fire the barbecue pit up and let's have a picnic. That's what he said. Let's cook, let's cook dinner. Verse 16, the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel, what is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And he said, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering, offered it on a rock to the Lord, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about, and the flame went up from the altar toward heaven. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah's wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Is that awesome? Listen, man, we send out birth announcements. This is big time. The angel whirls up into a smoke and goes back to heaven. It's, this is unbelievable. It's awesome. Verse 24, the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began stirring him in Manahim Dam between Zor and Eshtop. How do you raise this son? How do you raise God's man? The same way we raise him over 3,000 years later, we raise him for the Lord. Is that right? Now I want you to see mom and dad blew it. Now, just because your kids blow it don't necessarily mean that mom and dad blow it. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but I believe mom and dad blew it here. So let's fast forward 20-something years later, verse chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Should, are the Israelites supposed to hang out with the Philistine chicks? Absolutely not. So he came back and told his father, listen, you don't told your father nothing. You ask your dad. Amen? He'd have been spitting teeth had he told me. So in Jesus' name, with all the love, I could muster. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman named Tim, one of the daughters of the police. He's now therefore get her for me as a wife. He orders his dad around. This is mind-boggling to me. Then his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives? This sounds like the video, doesn't it? Is there not a woman among our people, that you may go and take a wife from these uncircumcised Philistines. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is hot. I mean, she looks good to me. That's Hebrew, for she is hot. This is what I believe. I believe, I'm going to do a little spiritual speculation. I believe Samson had gotten whatever he wanted all his life. Does that make sense? So he's an adult now. He believes he ought to get whatever he, whatever he wants. Now, now let, let's see. Let, Mom and Dad, when your kids leave your house, are they going to get whatever they want? then why do we prepare them like they are? Because we treat them like they're going to get whatever they want all their life and we mess them up. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say I am. How much do you refuse your kids? We don't refuse them much, do we? Excuse me? There we go. Come on, be honest. I'll call your name and come to your house. Come on. But you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I want my kids to have it better than I did. I want it. Come on, I want him to have it better than I did. Hey, not having everything didn't hurt you. And having everything destroyed the man of God, Samson. Destroyed him. God destined him to rule, and he ended up being a slave to the Philistines because he wanted to get whatever he wanted. So he, I want you to know, twice he orders his father around. Now his dad doesn't say no. I love that word. No. It rolls off my tongue. No. It's easy for men, a little harder for mothers. But dads like to say no. Why do they say it? Because it feels good. 
Peter, but see, he doesn't say no to Samson. He tries to talk Samson out of it. Yeah, oh, now Samson, come on. Isn't there, aren't there any smoking hot, you know, Israelite babes? Why do you have to go with Philistine chicks? We got some hotties over here. Get her. Get her, because I want her. Let me tell you guys, listen. Man, there is a time to reason, and there's a time to look at your kids and say no. And when they say why, you say because I said. Listen, you can't rationalize with a three-year-old. You just tell them no when they say why, because I'm dad and I said no. Now, if, you do, if you're wondering about this and you don't understand, I want you to go spend an hour of this afternoon at the Walmart. Because <laughs> you will see children begging for a spanking. I want to spend an hour a week walking around Walmart with my belt in my hand to stop and parents and say, hey, listen, 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 I need to help you here. Because, see, I'm a spirit-filled believer and I have the gift of interpretation and what your kids are saying is beat me, please. And so I'm here for you. Just let me have them for just a second. I will beat them and give them back, and they'll be better. <laughs> Do y'all know what I'm talking about? See, <laughs> help me. You don't rationalize with a two-year-old arguing at Walmart. And they're, they're so his dad just says, oh, come on, Sammy. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Listen, Samson was breaking the word of God, and his dad let him do it, and his dad did it for him. See, when they, now, when your kids grow up, are they going to hear no? See, the problem is this, and let's be real. Come on, mom and dad. Listen, we treat our kids like they're the center of the universe, don't we? All right, is that right? Come on. Then they leave your house and find out they're not. And it's going to rock their world. They've never been told no. They, it's going to rock their world. They're going to leave your house, and they, and they don't know how to they don't know how to deal with bosses that say no, with friends that say no. They get married, and their spouse says no a lot. Some of you driving home will get that. <laughs> Come on. See, they're going to hear no all their life, and they've never heard it. We treat them like the center of the universe, and they don't understand when they're not. And I'm telling you, listen, I love young adults. Thank God for the young adults. It's not their fault. It's their parents' fault in Jesus' name. And we have set them up for pain and failure and frustration because we have given them everything they wanted, and then we send them to a world that's going to kick their butts, and they don't understand why. Does that make sense? Come on, that's the deal. It's the deal. You say, but pastor, I love them. Sure you do. The Bible says if you love them, discipline them. Don't give them everything they want. Raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, teach them in the morning and the evening and at mealtime and at travel time. Teach your kids, prepare them to serve the Lord. See, Samson's rebellion to the word of God, I believe, came because his mom and dad thought he was destined for greatness, so they gave him everything. We think our kids are destined for greatness, so what do we do? We give them everything. Did it help them? Absolutely not. Let's just look at a pattern. 14, verse 7, Samson went down to a woman. Samson went down to talk to the woman, and she looked good to Samson. Another Philistine, another hottie he's got. He's going to another lady's house, and a lion attacks him. Now, Samson's bad. He's filled with the Spirit of God. Lion. You ever seen a lion in real life? I mean, this lion dives at him. He catches the lion, grabs his mouth, and rips his head apart and throws him down dead. Comes by a couple weeks later, there's the lion. Animals had eaten all the guts, and there's a beehive in there. He reaches in there, gets him a big slather of honey, gets some for his mom and his dad. See, the problem is a Nazarite was never supposed to touch anything dead. 
He's breaking the word of God left and right. Why? Because he wants what he sees he thinks he should have. Chapter 16, verse 1. And Samson went down to Gaza and saw a harlot there, and he went into her. Hot hooker. Got her too. Verse 4. I let, let me tell you why I, one of the reasons I love the Bible. It is so cotton picking real. Isn't it? It is real. Verse 4. Chapter 6 came about this, that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. That was his downfall. Do you see a pattern developing? See it, want it, get it. See it, want it, get it. Whatever my eyes see that I want, I don't care what God says, I don't care what mama, dad says, I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to get what I want. And if we teach our kids by how we raise them that that's okay, we are so hurting them. Chapter 16, verse 19. You know the story, many of you. She finds out where, where his strength lies. She makes, she gets him to drink wine, lays down, not supposed to drink wine. He's in Nazareth, lays down in her lap. She has his hair cut off. Verse 19, she made him sleep on her knees, called for a man, and shaved off the seven locks of his hair. Then look at here, guys. The strongest man that ever lived, she began to afflict him. Delilah began to stomp Samson's tail, and his strength left him. So he said, the Philistines, she said, the Philistines are upon you. Samson, he woke up from his sleep and said, I'll go out as other times to shake myself free, but he did not know that the Lord had departed. The Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in their prison. Wow, what a sad ending. It's not the ending, but what a sad state of affairs. Now, I'm going to give you some thoughts. Last week I gave you seven rules of engagement. This week I'm going to give you some thoughts about how, about how the house is supposed to run. You ought to put these on your refrigerator. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I am. Here, number one, do not make your home kid-centric. Make it Christ-centric. Again, let's be real. Come on. Look up here. We'll go ahead and write that down. But look up here. You can write listen at the same time because you're a smart church. Most of our families, do they not revolve around our kids? Their activities, their academics, their athletics, where they want to go dance, twirling, band, boom, 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 boom. And many of us are so busy running for activities for our kids that we don't serve God. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, I'm too busy, man. I'm at the ball field six nights a week. Repent. Jesus didn't die for athletics. He died for you. Are you with me? See, I'm going to talk about a normal Christian family. I'm going to talk about a normal Christian family. Don't make your kids a sinner because, listen, when your kids leave your house, they'll never be the center of anything again. So why, not, why don't, as a Christian home, we make Jesus the center of our home? Amen? Make Jesus the center so that our kids understand, man, our family is wrapped around Jesus. It's wrapped around the church. It's wrapped around the kingdom of God. Make, don't make your, kid, your home kid-centered. Make it Christ-centered. Well, that transforms some homes, wouldn't it? Are you ready? Can you handle any more? Y'all look like y'all are hurt bad. Are you okay? Number two, teach your kids to serve, not to be served. But I mean, mom, like a Tasmanian devil, man, we are serving our kids. Now, I understand when they're little, we got to change diapers and feed them. I got all that. Listen, but they get a little older, they need to learn that they are not the ones to be served, but they are to serve others. Is it the lifestyle of saints to serve? Excuse me? Now, let me just give you the bottom line. We average a little over 5,000 a weekend at Faith Promise Church. This year so far, 1,500 people have served. Do I need to get that math for you? 
I mean, the average of 3,500 people that come on the weekend never lift a finger at Faith Promise. So you know what you're teaching your kids? We're consumers. We go to church to give. We don't go to church to serve. You serve me at home, I get served at church. Everywhere I go, I serve. When I, go, when I get older, my spouse will serve me. My, everybody's going to serve me because that's the only thing I know. Does that make sense? Are you okay? It's just, it's just true. And so get, man, get involved. Get connected. Get serving. Let me give you another one. Are you ready? This will help you. Let your kids get familiar with the word no. No. Matter of fact, let's say it. I'm going to count three. Let's all say it together. Are you ready? Let's practice. One, two, three. No. Oh, that was good. Now, ladies, mom's harder for you, so I'm going to help you. So this is just the mothers in the room, all of our campuses. On the count of three. Are you ready, ladies? One, two, three. No. Oh, good. <laughs> you didn't mean that. You didn't mean that. I know if I ask three more times, I'm going to get what I want. Matter of fact, half of you, the reason you have kids is because that's how you said no. <laughs> you didn't mean it. <laughs> Ladies, I'm going to give you another shot. Some of you are mad. It's okay. You can get glad the same pants you got mad in. My job is not to make you happy. My job is to make you holy. Ladies, let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Oh, listen, I'm not coming back after that. See, because you meant no. See, your kids are going to grow up. Their boss is going to tell them no. Their spouse is going to tell them no. Hey, let me ask you a question. Has God ever told you no? Absolutely. And guess what happens to your kids who've been told yes all their life? God says no. They don't get it, and they don't believe God exists because God told them no because you've always said yes. And so they need to understand. See, if you teach them to obey you as parents, guess what's going to happen? They are going to learn to obey God. Are you with me? They're going to get authority. That's why, that's why God set it up. Let me give you another one. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Let the word rule your home and not the word. Let the word rule your home. Hey, are we servants of God? Are we servants of God? Okay, are we servants of God? Then as servants of God, we serve God. We are faithful to the house of God. Every seven days we gather to worship. Not once a month, not once you feel like it. Every seven days we come to the house of God. We serve the house of God. We teach our kids to serve God. We are faithful to God. We give to God and we love God. That's what that means. Are you ready? Let me give you another one. All right, this is going to rock you a little bit. You going to be okay? Can we put our big boy pants on? Use everything that your church offers to help your family. Use everything your church offers, like kids' ministry. We have kids' ministry at every campus. We have, great, we have great facilities at all of our campus. We have staff at every campus. We have hundreds of trained volunteers at every campus to serve your kids. But what happens is a lot of us bring our kids into the, what we call the big room or the main worship centers at our campuses. And we bring them in. Let me, let me tell you two things about that. Number one, we either record our services for the campuses or we stream them live to the other campuses each campus is a little different how they receive the weekend message. And so a lot of times, all of our campuses get to your kids cry. Now, I know it doesn't bother you, but it, 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 it bothers the people around you. It, it, it bothers. And, and let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just get real. There are times that I'm preaching the word. Spirit of God's moving. He's drawn hearts. And some kids starts playing or crying. 
and I'm distracted. Say there's one over here. I'm preaching and Because I'm trying to find it. Are you with me? And this is what we do. This is, this is bizarre. It's what we do. It's what we do. Everybody's distracted because the kid is crying, right? So they're all mad at the parent that the parent won't get up. Then one of our pastors walks over and does this. And now you're no longer mad at the parent or the kid. You're mad at the pastor. Because he's trying to remove the distraction. And you're worried that they're embarrassed. Listen, don't be mad at both of them. Just be mad at one. Just pick one. Are, are you with me? Are, y'all feel me on this? Come on. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. You don't understand. My kid doesn't want to go to children's ministry. Listen, who gave your kid a vote? Some of you are hiding your kid right now. You're pushing him behind you in the chair. Dear God, why did I bring him this weekend? Hey, they're sick this weekend, Pastor. They wouldn't take him in the nursery. Listen, this is the deal. Hey, listen, did your kid get a vote where they go to school? We have a school's important. Yeah, I got that. I got it. Hey, let them make straight A's and go to hell. Listen, man, I love you. Let's get a grip on this, church. Are, Are you with me? See, we, we spend millions of dollars to provide great experiences for your kids. It doesn't matter what your kids want. They'll get used to it. They'll get used to it. Listen, my kids are in the nursery. Every, all three of my kids were in the nursery before they were seven days old. Seven days old, they were in the nursery. They never came out of the nursery. <laughs> well, that was good, wasn't it? It's an accident. And so this is, hey, we have camps coming up in the summer. We'll even help you if you don't have the finances. Man, we have kids camp. We have student camps. Two of them to make sure that your students can go. If you have a student, why are they in our student ministry? Why are they in on Wednesday night or Sunday night? Whichever campus that you're at, why are they, they not there? Well, they don't want to go. Man, they don't know anybody. Then go with them. Serve when the student ministry. Go with your kids and serve. Just go with them. Come on, let's utilize what we, listen, we offer this. They're, they're your kids, but we do it for you. Is this, hey, we have mission trips that are kid-friendly. We have serving Saturdays that you can go serve with your kids. We, look, Josh Whitehead, our executive pastor, his son Hayden is still in grade school. He has two kids, he and Kim, Hayden and Madison. Hayden's now got a he, he noticed a propensity toward technology. So about four years ago for Christmas, they got him a light board for his bedroom so that he could learn to serve at church and learn to serve in the worship ministry. He is, in, he, is in, he is a great school, and he runs lights upstairs in the MP Kids, and he helps in this room sometimes. And he's a kid. His mom and dad are teaching him to serve. They're, they're, they're just teaching him. Listen, when you come to church and you don't serve, you're teaching them. We don't serve at our house. We're ball players. We're academicians. We're dancers. We're turtlers. We're band members. That's what we are at our house. I thought Jesus was first. Come on. Come on. So let me ask you. I know you're mad. Listen, don't send me any bad emails because I don't care. And so, <laughs> still, listen. Look up here. Look, I'm trying to help you. Listen to this. Your kids are going to plug in somewhere. Where will it be? And in their most formidable years, 
Are you going to plug him in with lost people? Or are you going to plug him in with saved people? Are you going to plug him into the church of God? Or are you going to plug him in somewhere else? Listen, hey, they can play ball. They can do all kinds of stuff. That's a mission field. But primary, first, number one, is God and the house of God. That's why we train adults to walk beside you. Man, when my kids were teenagers, I was looking for other adults to speak into their life. Are y'all with me? I was hunting for somebody else to talk into them. You say, Pastor, it's too late for me. My kids are adult. Listen to me. In the name of Jesus, it is never too late. It is never too late. It is never too late. Samson, decades, grinding the wheat of the Philistines, but the Philistines didn't notice his hair was growing back. And they brought him out to mock him, and they put him, come on out, singers. They put him between two pillars, and he said, Lord God, let your spirit fill me one more time, and let me destroy the 3,000 leaders of the Philistines, and then let me die with them. And he pushed the entire building supported on two columns, and it fell and killed all of them. It was never, it is never too late. The prodigals can come home. Our singers are going to just, just, you can remain seated. They're going to sing a song. It's reflective. The pastors are coming forward, campus pastors, to pray with people. Maybe, maybe you're, you've got an adult or an older, an older kid that is a prodigal. You want to come pray. Maybe you're a young couple, man. You just want to raise your kids right. Man, I, maybe, you're, maybe you're a couple and you don't have kids yet, and you're praying that God will give you kids. Or maybe you just need folks to pray for you for whatever the case may be. Listen, listen, listen to me, listen. Maybe you're single. You want a godly mate. Do not settle. See, it destroyed Samson. Missionary dating. Do not settle. Maybe you just want to come pray. Hey, I'm saving myself for a godly guy, godly gal. I'm saving myself for the right person. I thank God every day he gave me Michelle because I'm a better person. He that finds a godly wife finds a good thing and is blessed of the Lord, Proverbs says. And so they just, we're just here to pray. Listen, I, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. Some of your kids are gone and say, what did I do wrong? Some of you brought your kids up in the church. You did everything right, and your kids have just run from God. But they can come back. Holy God, would you allow your sweet spirit to flood this place? Dad, would you move and draw the prodigals home? Would you raise up godly homes? It's not about society, but it is about the Savior. God, would you give us a holy moment? In Jesus' name.